All right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, so yesterday on the show, we talked about the NDP leadership campaign. And this is getting interesting, mm -hmm. because at first it was, it was like a cakewalk for yeah. David Eby, right? Then the Anjalia Potterai comes around, comes along, an environmental campaigner and activist who says she's running. And now there's a lot of speculation, could... Could she upset the apple cart here? Could she actually well, win this thing? Because she's brought over so many people from the environmental movement to support her. Lots of controversy. There's been official complaints. A lot of nervousness in the NDP ranks. Is there? That uh, talking to numerous MLAs have expressed concern about this because she opposes everything they support uh, on a number of fronts. Uh, not everything, but a, ma a lot of major projects and such. So, yeah, there is nervousness. Uh, again, the NDP went into this thing with a very small membership base, only 11,000, yeah. down from you know 50,000 or so in the last leadership race. Wow. Uh, so it's vulnerable to a takeover. Yeah. And you know, the environmental movement's very well organized, definitely more than 11,000 people, I would think, active in some of these environmental organizations when you put everyone together. So she's mobilizing that uh, group of people, and it's got the NDP establishment has a, pretty has, worried. Has a single NDP MLA endorsed her? Oh, no, not no, at all. Not Far from it. Yeah. I mean, this is not like, you know, you go back to the 2012 uh, or 2011 um, leadership campaign of the BC Liberals. Christy Clark was only endorsed by one caucus member. Right. But she didn't have the, the sort of active... Um, opposition amongst the rest of the caucus because she had worked in the caucus. She'd been a member of the caucus sure. or many members of the caucus for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, she, she, These were her colleagues. This is not the case here. This is a complete outsider coming in yeah. and, as you say, ready to upset the apple cart here. Okay. Fascinating she, to watch. It is. So she was on the show yesterday and I asked her, what are the chances that she could actually pull this off? This would be a major upset. Here's what she had to say. I think there's certainly a clear path to victory for this campaign. And I think that that is um, an indication that the people are really speaking and that there's an appetite for the kind of values that we're bringing to governance. So absolutely, uh, we're here to govern in a different way. Okay, so a clear path to victory. Are you believing that? Yeah, well, you know, it's again, it's not, it wouldn't take much to take this thing from Evie because the numbers were so small to begin with. Yeah. Um, but when she talks about governing, this is where it gets interesting. I'm not sure how she would govern because you've got the NDP caucus. They're all, uh, they're all supporting EB. They're all supporting, well, for the most part, yeah. uh, supporting EB. But, uh, not again, not only not supporting her, but actively opposing her and on so many levels. This is a fundamental argument that she wants to oppose LNG, Canada, the Coastal Gasoline Pipeline, uh, Site C, fracking. Which yeah. delivers natural yeah. gas to your homes. Yeah. If there's no fracking, you don't have natural gas. You're going to have to find some alternative fuel source. Uh, in the most part, it would have to be oil, which is the great irony here. So I think it would create a, a unique constitutional situation where you have a party leader who doesn't have a seat in the House because no one's going to resign to make way for her. Uh, presumably not even a member, of the, well, not a member of the caucus. So I'm not even clear that whether she'd become premier. Okay, I asked her yesterday. Now, here's another interesting point. She has actually not act been formally approved by the party to run as a candidate. That's a key thing. Yeah, because the party has to give you the stamp of approval saying, yes, you are mm -hmm. allowed to be a candidate. Your name will be on the ballot. Yeah. She is still being vetted by the party brass here. I asked her if she's worried about that. Could she be disqualified mm -hmm. from running for the job? And here's what she told me. 
the process is still underway. Uh-huh. So we're not officially on the ballot yet. I was a federal candidate for the NDP last year. So um, I'm confident that that process will be smooth. You know, we entered the race a little bit later than David Eby. So our, yeah. our process is happening a little bit later. Okay, she says she's not worried. I think she should be worried. I think she should be worried. There's a big difference between running for the federal NDP and running for the leadership of the BC NDP. The BC NDP is a credible government in waiting at all times or the government. I mean, it's it's always it's one or the other in BC. That's not the case at the federal level. The NDP is not seen as a government in waiting at the federal level. So getting a nomination for the federal NDP is completely different than getting uh, getting on the ballot to be leader of the party in BC. It's a much more uh, taken much more seriously here. So I don't think those two situations are, are comparable. Yeah. So she should be uh, worried. And Amanda from the dining room has arrived with my blueberries gone. Thank you very much. Thank you, Amanda. Okay. Now, I also had Avi Lewis on the show yesterday. He's also a very high-profile environmental activist in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. He supports Anjali Potterai for yep. the NDP leader. And I asked him, is he worried that the fix is in here and the party could disqualify her. And here's what he said. I, I think that's a very real worry. I, I, I love listening to Anjali's interview. She's such a warm and straightforward and truth-telling person. She was maybe a little too diplomatic to say that, yes, we are very concerned about a disqualification. I think well, he's right. I think he's right. I think uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if her candidacy does not get approved why, going well, forward. Why would they not approve her? Well, the candidates have to go through the vetting process. And the vetting process by political parties is a very murky thing. It's not defined. It's just it's an internal thing to decide whether or not you qualify to be a candidate. So you can come up with any number of reasons, or you don't have to come up with any reasons. You can just say, no, sorry, um, you're not. Uh, there, you're there, not- there have been complaints that like an environmental organization like the, the Dogwood Initiative in B.C., which is a big environmental group, had some, has been somehow breaking the, the rules mm-hmm. by supporting her or organizing for her. And there's a there's an official complaint. Well, that if the, she's broken if the, the NDP could that be the you know yep, what they sure. cite as the reason for disqualifying? If the NDP thinks it's being taken over by an external third party, yeah, that's going to be a reason why they're going to reject someone's candidacy. Again, political parties reject candidates at all levels across Canada, and they don't necessarily provide reasons. Okay, watching that one closely to say the least. Let's talk about Pierre Polyev, the new Conservative Party leader, and it was his first day yesterday in the House of Commons, and here he is going after the government on taxes. Have a listen to this. Canadians have had the cost they must pay for monthly housing bills go from 32% of their paycheck to 50% of their paycheck. And what's the Prime Minister's solution? To reduce their paychecks by taking a bigger bite out of them with higher payroll taxes. And he wants to raise gas taxes, home heating taxes, and indirectly the price of groceries by tripling the carbon tax. So this, I thought, summed up where how Polyev is approaching his attack on the Trudeau government right now, taxes, affordability, inflation. So I've, I've got a column out this week in Glacier Media that says, where I say that if Polyev sticks to taxes, inflation, and cost of living, yeah. and stays away from Bitcoin and the gov- Bank of Canada governor and the World Economic Forum, uh, he could catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, it, that's where the Trudeau government's very vulnerable, is on the in the meat and potatoes issues, not the esoteric ones that Foley have liked to talk about during the leadership campaign. If he focuses back on the meat and potato issues of, of affordability, that's going to serve him well. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the government knows it as well, the, the Trudeau government. Have a listen to Liberal Cabinet Minister Randy Boissonneau yesterday responding to Polyev, and listen to how he frames this response. So this is, you're going to hear a lot of this. Listen to this. 
Mr. Speaker, throughout this session, you're going to see two competing visions. One, where our government focuses on the needs of Canadians, Conservatives telling the country that they're on their own. Yeah, so they're going to say, look, we're, yeah, we're spending money we're on social programs. This guy, Polyev, would cut cut programs and, and leave you leave you at your own devices. I think it, this is going to be a theme we hear. Oh, it'll, that's the theme from the Liberals and the, and the Conservatives will reply, no, we're going to cut taxes. Right. You know, so that's how we're going to cut your cost of living. Um, but it's a different type of debate than we saw in the Conservative leadership race, where Poliev yeah. drew all sorts of headlines talking about the trucker convoy associating with right-wing extremists. If he stays away from that, uh, he's a guy to be feared if you're the, the Trudeau Liberals. If he strays back into that territory, then the Conservatives are going to go backwards. Okay, phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Right to your calls, Rick in Delta. Hi, Rick, go ahead. I, I just wanted to ask a question. Um, I, I got no problem with natural gas. Was it never mined or, or created uh, without fra- by another method other than fracking? No, my, to my understanding, fracking is, uh, has been associated with natural gas production for decades. Now, if fracking looks different. Any, there's never been under any other process other than fracking. Not for mass production. Okay. It's always it's always been fracking. I guess I guess there is a perception that fracking was a fairly natural gas is a relatively recent method. Yeah, well, natural gas is a relatively recent fuel source. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have natural gas until a few decades ago in terms of of mass. Production fracking is different in BC than different in different states. Some because our our natural gas uh, is far below the surface, much deeper, deeper in the ground, yeah. much deeper in the ground than say places like Pennsylvania, which is really a few you know few yards down. I mean, the, fracking is obviously hugely controversial. This is a government though that hasn't budged from it. I mean, they've done they've done stuff like well, we've done reviews of fracking, and maybe we've changed some of the regulations around it, but they've never shown. Any willingness, this NDP government I'm talking about, to say we're going to ban fracking. Like or the BC Liberals. No, neither no, party is going to ban They're not this. going to do it. Because natural gas, you just look at the last, um, uh, the, the public accounts for last year. Um, for decades, for a number of years, natural gas was almost a $2 billion a year. Then it dropped as natural gas prices dropped around the world. Uh, so it, it declined significantly. But... With the Ukraine war, uh, other disruptions to the supply chain, and the escalating price of fuel, suddenly natural gas is, a, is a, once again a windfall for the B.C. government. If you take a look at a mega project like the LNG Canada project, which is the biggest private sector investment, I believe, in Canadian history, if you do not have fracked natural gas feeding that plant, that project goes under. Well, it doesn't, and, even, it doesn't even start. Right. No, so, so there's no way this government is going to back away from it. So you have an NDP candidate who suddenly there's some speculation, wow, could she actually win this, who's opposed to fracking, opposed to LNG, correct? Yes, yeah. opposed to LNG, um, but uh, against the coastal gasoline pipeline. Yeah. Uh, right. It's an extraordinary situation. Yeah. Michael and Poco, hi. Hey, hey guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, there's a couple things I just wanted to say. Um, I, just, I, I support uh, Pierre Polyev, uh, this go-around. I seem to relate uh, much more to, to him than I do Trudeau. Um, and I just wanted to ask Keith Baldry a question. Um, why did Aaron Gunn get denied the opportunity to run for the leadership of the B.C. Liberals, but the mm-hmm. NDP allows Paterai to run, although their policies don't align? Yeah, great question. So... Uh, the liberals have never really explained why Aaron Gunn wasn't allowed to run. 
He's certainly on the right-wing side of the spectrum. But again, political parties are their own private entities when it comes to this type of situation. They don't necessarily have to explain some of the reasons and criteria why someone can or can't. Uh, but he was viewed, I think, as not supporting the party's views. The party said the official party line from the liberals on that was that Aaron Gunn was disqualified from running for the party leadership because his candidacy would not be consistent with the liberal exactly. party's commit, commitment to reconciliation, diversity and acceptance of all people in, in B.C. So, you know, you know the party can craft but, whatever it wants in terms of qualifying or disqualifying. And, and, now, he's, point, and now he's gone over to the B.C. Conservative Party. Yeah. And it's interesting. And in that uh, Surrey South by-election uh, was the Liberals easily won. But they've got to be a little nervous about one number there. And that was the 13 percent the Conservative candidate drew in that election. And that's a little worrisome for them in a general election. Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I just wanted to add to this uh, narrative about to the NDP leader that the Green Party and the NDP did have a working relationship not too long ago. As a Green Party supporter, every election I'm hounded by NDP uh, supporters uh, to vote for NDP, not to waste my vote. Greens don't stand a chance. If you want anything done on the environmental uh, file, you need to vote for NDP. So I don't believe that the it's so polar opposite as, as, as it's being told. And I would appreciate it. I would love it if you had her back on and actually give her a chance to speak her platform as opposed to talking to her as if she's a problem to the establishment here. And uh, I'd like to hear mm. her her policies and her views. And, and I, I'd actually like to know, even if she hypothetically wins um, uh, leadership, does she have the power without the support of the people who support, say, the LNG to stop the LNG? So I don't know that that's, uh, again, as, as crazy and as scary a thought as we're making it out to be. I think, uh, she, like you said, okay. she's a, uh, rejuvenating the base here. And I don't think, uh, I think the environmentalists are, are well uh, based into the NDP. Uh, they're not Polar opposite. Thank you. Thank you. So the NDP, like any other political party, is a coalition of interests. Yeah. It's got some environmental uh, supporters, but it's also got industry supporters, people who work. Uh, traditionally, the NDP was more tied to uh, the labor movement than it was to the environmental movement. Right. And those ties are still there. They're not as strong as they used to be. But the NDP is supported by private sector unions that basically have all the jobs in the natural resource sector that, again, the environmental movement would like to shut down. That's the tension that exists in the party. Rob in Asoyas. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. you got 30 seconds here. Yeah, really Thanks. Yeah, I just want to say, guys, that I would absolutely vote for Polyev. And the uh, reason being uh, for Trudeau, the We Charity, SNC Lavalin, uh, his trip to Tofino, he was supposed to be up... Uh, commemorating or commiserating whatever would say with the natives um polyev 100 percent, and it's unfair okay. to associate it with right-wing extremists you guys okay. are biased when it comes to the liberals and i'm getting tired of it thank you okay i think we just i think we just said tired of it we'll see you later well i think he i think keith just said he thinks that polyev could beat trudeau so yeah if he stays away from right-wing extremists yeah. and yeah. you know the problem polyev well not problem he just chose not to address the issue of why he was associating with these right-wing uh, extremists he just chose not to address it it's one thing to do it when you're running for leader another thing when you're the uh, official opposition leader Keith, thanks a lot talk to you That's friday keith. see you friday thanks a lot